This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. We will also explore threats to meaningful engagement in sport and movement culture practices and ask questions about what we can learn about the human condition through our involvement in sport. The guests are leading scholars in human and social sciences of sport who will share their explorations in a scholarly as well as a personal context. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Today's episode is the second part of our discussion with Petter Kukkonen, where we learn about sport in ancient Greece. In the first part, which I recommend you to check out, Petter started sharing about his own journey as an athlete and how retirement from sport was a turning point for him and led him to study history, religions and philosophy. While working as a professional coach, for several years he was writing a novel on sport in ancient Greece. The book was published a few months ago in Finnish, and the title would be translated Olive Trees Never Die. In the first part of the discussion with Petter, we started asking questions such as what would be the key differences and similarities between sport back then compared to sport as we know it today? What was the cultural significance of sport? How can we imagine athletes approach their sport, and what was its purpose? Today's discussion continues these explorations. Our guest, Petter Kukkonen, is a former athlete in Nordic Combined, and currently he is the head coach of the Finnish national team. While we also discuss his current coaching role, the main reason he is with me today is not because of his job, but because of his novel, which tells the story of Alecus, a wrestler who grew up in Athens during the time of Plato and Aristotle, and trained to compete in the Olympic Games. This fascinating book has 750 pages, and it provides a glimpse to life and sport in a very different world, also helping us to reflect on our lives and our sports today. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. But so in, in ancient world, we, we cannot understand it without mentioning religion, but we also cannot uh, understand that without mentioning philosophy. And you are mentioning that our, our hero of the, of the story, Alekos, he lived at the same time as Plato and Aristotle. And, and you also have these scenes in your book where, where these philosophers appear. So it would be exciting. You can maybe share a little bit about those. Uh, those uh, storylines in in the book. Uh, yeah, just before Olympic Games, uh, Alekos invited with his with his stepbrother Dionysius um, to Academia, which was the place where uh, Plato's gymnasium was located. And 
and they had um, exhibition wrestling match first Alekos against Dionysius and then Plato was one of um, spectators and then he wanted to challenge Alekos and Plato he, he, he actually had a history of, of competing in, in wrestling in, in few, not, not in Olympic Games but few of these um, highly respected games in, in Greece so he, he was in real life also really strong wrestler but at the time he was already 60 year, 63 years old so but they, they are they are having this wrestling match with with Alekos and then afterwards having some wine and and talking and I didn't want to like bring any any like detailed philosophy of Plato but it's like some kind of main lines about his thinking and then there's yeah. also uh, Aristotle in their younghood at I think they're at the age of 17 or 16. Alekos is actually a couple of, couple of years uh, older than Aristotle, and they're spending um, a Panathenaia, which was seven days long, uh, local local big festival in Athens. They're spending that uh, that festival together, like going to theater and hanging around, drinking a little bit of wine, talking about philosophy, and, and so that kind of approaches or encounters with those two big names. And yeah, you mentioned that you didn't want to go into detail about the philosophy of Plato, Aristotle, but I think it's quite a nice way of kind of tying in those historical uh, figures, which brings to the question that I didn't remember to ask yet was that, did you have a character or a historical character that you draw inspiration from when you are building your your character Alekos or is he like a combination of different stories and sources or how how did you how did he come to be as he is um he, he's for sure a combination of of different kind of ideas there there must be part of me in his thinking and uh, there is part of fiction and my biggest hero in in uh, this literature is Mika Valtari and I really love his characters and I would say I have like copied a little bit of his his characters he, he used in mm -hmm. his books so it's kind of like combination of, of uh, these three things yeah do we have any any stories that we have available about the athletes of those times do we have any sources about we know generally about sport and we know generally about the Olympics, but do we have any, any histories of those athletes who were actually doing that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do have something mostly about stories how, you know, for example, Croton of Milo, which was like six-time Olympic winner, how he, how he was like picking the, the cow in his shoulder and carried it for, I don't know, 10 stadiums and then drinking nine liters of wine after that one or... How they lift some some rocks which were the weight of, of seven men uh -huh. like that, that kind of story but we have to remember that they couldn't measure time or, or results in that time so it would be really interesting to compare the results but uh, unfortunately we, we cannot we cannot do it but that would be just like fun because it was like really absolute top sport culture that they, they, that they started at the age of seven or eight years and they continued it uh, Till, till I don't know, till uh, uh, adults for when they were forty or fifty years old. And there's, probably, for example, what, what tells you something about uh, the top sport is about the story about Theagenes. He was 
uh, a boxer and then he's also doing Pankratian and Pankratian if we can call it kind of uh, free fight which we also uh -huh. had th this time so he won during his sport career he only won or the, the only the victories he had was two, uh, 1400 together so if I'm like counting fast it's uh, two, if he had like 20 years long career he had only um, not only but he, he had 70 victories per year so that tells us some kind of picture how how much they were competing so they were like totally professional athletes who trained and then they just had time only for going for one competition to other and we must remember there were no like planes or cars to drive so they had to use uh, ships or even travel hike by themselves from from city states to another to have these competitions and if you think of like I mean, professional sport as we know it today seems to be like uh, many athletes in, in different sports have a very hectic schedule that they are often on the plane and, and on tour. And I mean, not necessarily now with the COVID situation, but typically we mm -hmm. think of that, that it can be very tiring life as well. But I guess when we read and learn about the ancient uh, Greece and and the sport they played. It's it's not only now that athletes have had like a <laughs> mm -hmm. massively busy schedule. Yeah. Do we know anything about uh, how long the career would have been at that time? Like how can how long can you keep doing that? Uh, actually, I, I'm not sure about that. But my feeling is like the story of Theagenes. I, I think like his career lasted easily twenty years or or even more. So uh -huh. uh, so that um. Other stories that I have read, I, I had a little, little bit like same kind of understanding that many of those they had like many times Olympic winners, and then they they keep going as long as they like really they stayed in the top, and, and it was not like they ended up for twenty years of, uh, at the age of twenty or twenty five because they had to go to studying or they had to go to work. It was it was their, their life to be to be in sport to be in, in top sport. Yeah, that's my my best guess. And after, I mean, we started our discussion about you uh, finishing your your athletic career and, and what has happened since is the topic of our talk. Do we know anything about these athletes in, in ancient Greece? Like what happened to them when they stopped competing at the top level? Like how would their life paths continue from there? That's also something that I, I really don't have a clear answer, but I would guess many of those started coaching career yeah. they had this tradition of history and all the all the relationship needed so they were coaches and then or then they just had um, you know fr free time as, as a seniors and having fun and remembering their their nice stories in the sport field I, I guess the problem is often that you know when you no longer compete you kind of disappear from the public eye so it's not anymore like even in our times, like we don't necessarily hear anything about the the former top athletes unless they run into some real trouble and then they end up in the news. But many of them we really don't hear in the media about what happened to them next. So that's I would guess that in in ancient Greece as well that after you don't compete in Olympics anymore, you might not end up in the history books. Yeah, that's actually really. Really good question. I also started to think about that topic now when you when you mentioned it. What what happened to those? And of course, many of them were 
most probably super rich guys who didn't need any, any support from government anymore. But then there might have been also lots of those guys who um, like used all their their money that they earned during their sport career, and then when they finally end up their career, uh, city state probably say that okay, now you won't get your apartment for free anymore, not food for free anymore, and and so not the income. So they they might have faced like many problems which we don't know. And I think that that's pretty much tells about the history that they were not like uh, writing that much about bad things or uh, like, like like we have we have now tradition of of pointing out every possible things that are are gone wrong in in our times. But that's like mostly uh, written by the, uh, the ones who who had the big victories and who took over the world. So it was just like this positive talking about things that things what happened and how things things went yeah I, my next question would be when you said about these top athletes who who succeeded and and they competed competed successfully and you said that they would be then getting an apartment and 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 getting food from was it the city state or who who was their sponsor at the time yes it, it was city state they made the decision in the, in the council to provide all this kind of advantage to to best athletes and right and and what, what, one thing what was also also interesting is that uh like other city states they could buy those athletes they wanted to like hire those athletes to their own, own cities to make their sport power bigger let's say they hired good runners from from Croton to some some other nations or good spartan wrestler to to other city states, so that that's also used in, in that time to make your city state look stronger. So, I mean, do we know how hard was it? Tough competition to get to the position of professional athlete. Like our times, we talk a lot about the problems of the elite sports system. If you think of football academies in around the world, and we know that less than one percent of the young boys who all want to be the next star they dedicate their lives to to the sport and then we know that over 99% don't become professional footballers and we know about certain many of them have difficulties and then finding their life path after they get deselected do we know about ancient greece was there a tough competition or were there a lot of young men who who aspired to become athletes and, and compete in the Olympics? Uh, I'm sure that they had like really hard fight. Like I say, that the school started around at, at, at the age of seven, and they, of course they had like really different kind of system between uh, city states. But in, in Athens, for example, when most of the kids are heading to school and then started sports, so mm-hmm. it was pretty natural that kids wanted to fight against each other who is the best in jumping who is the best in javelin throw who is the best wrestler and so forth and uh, it was like a natural way to compete and now we are thinking much more about the disadvantage of of competing too early or too hard or something like that yeah Uh, but but for sure it was like really hard competition only the best one and most talented ones with best coaches and best know-how they could race or develop in their career among the best ones mm. and it's, it's it's also because they didn't have that many things to, to choose from but basically it was like sports and then they were heading for army and like like i said also before that 
uh, like regular man they were they were not they, they, they were allowed to do some work but it's basically not not, not something that they were uh, like aiming for to do work so they didn't have that many options as we have now so I would say that that's why many kids like they they had to or they they wanted to they loved to choose sports uh-huh so just kind of my guess would be that there would be some of the same problems that what we are now discussing about the elite sports system about talent development and about few of them will win but what happens to the rest who who are not good enough and and what are the options i mean our times obviously there are all these initiatives about Uh, supporting athletes' education and, and making sure they have also other things in their life. I guess that would be something that was not really the central concern for the sports system back then. Yeah, I bet it was it was not what they were like focusing how to uh, make their civil career or some kind of second option or th- that kind of things happen. It was like all or nothing. And I really don't <laughs> know what, what happened to those kids who were um, who were not successful. Maybe it was not even that big thing because uh, maybe they were not even thinking, or that maybe that kind of failure was. Of course, fa- failure was existing, but uh, maybe we are like thinking so much more dramatically what happened to those kids who are, who lost their dreams in sports, who didn't develop on the level they wanted, and that's all all just like speculation. But I think their their approach was like totally different. Well, I mean. <sighs> I very much look forward to reading, finishing the book. I'm I'm at the early stages still, and I don't want to hear whether our main character is actually uh, fulfilling his dream of competing in the Olympics. I only know that he is aiming to compete in the Olympics, so don't tell me that. But uh, I would love to hear reflections on your journey and and. You told me at the beginning that part of the push to write this book was about your desire to explore and understand humanity and develop yourself in things other than your athletic skills. So maybe you can a little bit reflect on that journey and and what you feel that how you have maybe learned or changed as a person in in this <laughs> process of writing this wonderful book. I really hope that there have been lots of changes in in me. Of course, there happens lots of changes in 15 years, no matter if I if I write this book or make all this research. But uh, at least I have much better touch on top sport and also like in in all the society. So I feel that there's no things that kind of come comes like surprises for me. What happens in in our time? If there is some kind of corruption or some kind of I don't know new techniques or the money is involved or or what whatever. It's related to sports. I I feel that I have seen it all. But it, it doesn't mean that I don't want to like develop things or like look forward. But, but somehow there's not like that that big surprises, and mm. and not there are not the things that which make me think that oh what, what is this? I I never heard heard about that and where does it come from? That is it right or not? And so uh but yeah uh, so in, in that that matter I think that I see the things much more in in, in better light. I have the understanding of, of things around around us and and what, what I can do is. Uh, implement that kind of things to my work. How I how I see my athletes, how I approach them, how I use my authority, how I speak to them, how I how I teach them to understand the world and the sports. And if I teach them to understand the world first, and then then sports, 
and uh, how, how I see them uh, in the sport, if I see them, if they're not achieving their goals, if I see them as failures, or if I want to support them or understand that, okay, you, you may have other chance when you just turn your jacket and go to, I don't know, business world or <clears throat> you become a musician or uh, that kind of things. So it's not that black and white for me anymore. It, it is just like it is just like sports, even even though it's my my passion, and I I hope that I can do it for the next for 30, 40 years. But still, uh, yeah, I see it in, in different light, and I also see in different light all the these big victories. Even though I want to like achieve Olympic gold medals with, with my athletes, but it's not that super important when when I just when I know that it's it is just Olympic gold medals, and you can. Uh, achieve these goals in, in many ways by breaking your athletes, making them Olympic winners, but uh, to break them so that they are, yeah, that they are broken athletes with with no self confidence and, and confidence, and not not like really clear thoughts. What what is life about? Or or then I can make them Olympic winners or world champions or best athletes in, in the world who has like wide understanding about the relationship how the life works and what's the what's the relationship between like healthy family or or like let's say or, or healthy and your family and uh, some some values of society and compared to to the like, big success that you might one time achieve i don't know was it, was it too difficult to explain but there are like many many things related to normal life and sports that i have i feel that i have learned mm. yeah and i mean what you said earlier about the about your book that it's maybe half of it is about sport and half of it is about life and i guess we all would do well if we remember that sport is you know part of life and and part of the bigger picture of asking questions about what is good life and what is the role of sport kind of in in that good life and and how you reflected on what's the value of olympic gold i mean that's a thing that is contested as well now that we have a lot of these stories in the media about athletes who actually won everything, but they still didn't. Uh, I mean, in the bigger picture of their life and looking at all the co- what it took to win that medal, we can then ask these questions whether it was all worth it or not. Mm, exactly. So it it's really been a wonderful discussion and I can't emphasize enough how much I look forward to reading your book I happen to have this insider knowledge that this is not the end of your your career as a as an author as as a writer. So you can tell a little bit about uh, your new project and and where it is going at the moment. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I decided when I was writing a story about Alekos that if if it will be published in one day, I will continue writing because I had a nice idea about sequel and in, in sequel it's it's actually uh, I, I have done it it's ready in my computer and I and now I'm, I'm correcting it and you know changing the rhythm of the text and some words and, and blah 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 that, that kind of background work before I I give it to publisher so you just to interrupt like your first book was published about uh, two three months ago right yeah and you have already written your second book. I'm absolutely amazed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I signed it, the contract between pub, uh, 
between me and publisher 2019 September. So then I I started immediately planning the second book. So I collected all the d- data or information for uh-huh. for about two to three months, and I started yeah. writing writing the second book uh, somewhere in the November 2019, and it was ready in June 2020. So after that, I've been like correcting and doing this, these things, but right. So, yeah. it, so it, it came much faster, even though that's like huge book too. If if Alekos has seven hundred fifty pages, I would guess that this sequel will have fifty, uh, five hundred or five fifty. It is actually yeah. Alekos is also there as main character. He's going to north to the court of uh, Philip the Second, who was the king of Macedonia, and he. And he was the father of Alexander the Great, and uh, uh, I didn't want to write a book about Alexander because there are like loads and loads of information and, and stories about him. So I wrote a book, book about his father, who was actually the one who who established the first Western national state. So he was the one actually who combined finally this all uh, violent or hostile Greek city states. So it's about book how he how he did it, and it's more about a book about uh, what is to be king, about the kingship and uh, justification of, of one person, and you can easily compare it, his his story or achievement to Putin, Erdogan, Trump, Xi Jinping, uh, Bolsonaro, and, and this kind of, this kind of guys who who is like uh, they're not kind of. Two rounds, but in, in, in a way they are not like uh, showing democratic values either for me. And, mm-hmm. and it's I would say it's a more simple idea than what, what you can find in Alekos. Okay. And in your second book, do you, is there something in relation to sport? Uh, yes, actually there is. Alekos will come three more times to Olympic Games. Um, okay. He, he, in, in the first book, he was there three 64 next time he he arrives eight years later and then 12 and then 16 years later and i would say that he's pretty successful in those games don't tell me more but just (laughs) hold it back for a little moment it will take me some time to read this 750 pages of your first book so yeah what what a wonderful discussion it's 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 really exciting and both the book itself that you have written and also your own story of of how how the book also reflects your own questions and and your own search for for what it means to be a human and what it what it means to do sport both back in the day in in ancient Greece but as we discussed today also about what is it about to do sport in in our day as we are talking about it we talked about some of the dark sides of sport you mentioned about game fixing and cheating and those things that were present back in the day and and are present as well now and and you talked about some difficulties that that the Finnish Nordic combined has has gone through so I hope we can finish off with a little bit more positive note. So maybe you can talk about your team today and how the Nordic Combined is doing in Finland and what kind of goals you have with your athletes at the moment. Uh, yeah, sure. It's um, Nordic Combined. I really love the sports. It's, um, it's just somehow 
there is so-called pure values if I if you let me say it in that way like I, what, what I mean is that there's no doping involved not a big money and we are not a super much like media uh, in, in presence or, or media impact or how, how do you call it but yeah it's still like very popular sport in Finland we are I, I hope that we are giving lots of good moments, good feelings for, for our audience, so spectators are look, looking for what, what, what we do. We have now, or I've been head coach for this team eight years and I still have two more years uh, left in my contract till the spring of uh, 2022. And there, there, hopefully there's also Beijing Olympic Games before my contract ends. And, and we are heading, our goal is to head for Olympic gold medal. And um, yeah, I think we have really successful and very potential team in our hands. There are some World Cup podiums already behind us, and uh, yeah, it's just a bit unsecured time because of the COVID. But we are heading to the next winter, which should be should should begin. I think that's the uh, end of November. The exact date is 27th of, of November in, in first World Cup competition in, in Ruka, and then we continue the, the winter season. And we have new coach from Austria helping us in ski jumping side, which has been our biggest challenge so far. And it's very interesting to see if we have solved our main main challenge in jumping hill. And if we can do that, then I know that we can be a really successful team. Uh, and yeah, that, that's that's what, what we do. We travel with 200 days a year with the team. So it's really professional what we do, even though, like I said, in, in, in like before, that there's not like big money involved. So it's really the motivation has to come from inside and, and the money is not a driving thing for or on what, what we do but still i feel that we we do something big and something very important uh with great passion with with big love of sport and already combined yeah best of luck to to the new season and 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 let's hope you you will have a wonderful journey towards your big goal so Thank you so much, Peter, for discussing with me today. I, I feel I learned a lot and I I got very interested in learning more more about sport in, in the ancient times. And yeah, just like I said, best of luck. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. And all the best to you too. And have a nice autumn. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day